Yo, this is Rob Harvilla from 60 Saws That Explain the 90s, the world's greatest loopy and perverse and inaccurately named music nostalgia podcast. We're doing 90 songs now because there's too many songs. Pearl Jam, Jay-Z, Jewel, U2, Cher, Hootie. These are just some of the names people yell at me on the internet because we're back. More great songs, more rad special guests, more loopy perversity. Join us once more on 60 Songs That Explain the 90s every Wednesday on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your afternoon playlist, State Farm knows you personalize your entire day. And that's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with the State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices vary by state. Options selected by customer. Availability and eligibility may vary. Going for your first ever run around the park. Literally running errands all over town. Running for the finish line and your personal best. If you run, you're a runner. Find the shoes and clothes to run your way at newbalance.com slash running. New Balance. Run your way. Listeners, welcome. This is Sound Only. I'm Justin Sherry. And I'm Mike Peter. We're your sound only co-hosts here to record our deepest, darkest thoughts about the movie on everyone's mind, everyone's lips. The directorial debut of Michael B. Jordan, our finest living actor and director. And I, I'm saying that halfway sincerely. Um <laughs> Can I be wait, Micah? Can I begin the pod with with some sincerity? With the, with, with with a retraction, with, with, a retraction. Oh, really? Okay. With the with the standing retraction, consider this kind of like having the scope of a royal edict, right? I am retracting, and Stefan, if you don't mind, if you could pour back through every episode we've done this podcast and sort of edit accordingly, I I retract every. Like sarcastic, smart ass thing I have ever said about Michael B. Jordan on this podcast, or frankly, any other podcast I've appeared on <laughs> and previously hosted with The Ringer. That's that's oh, where I'm at. This is <laughs> you are moonwalking. Okay. I, I'm not I, I, I'm not copying, please. I'm becoming the DA. You know, I'm going <laughs> to law school. I'm taking the LSAT, going to law school, becoming the district attorney. Okay. I take it all back. I take it back, bro. Creed 3 oh, is fire, man. bro. Let's talk about Creed, Creed 3. Creed 3, Creed 3 is is incredible. It's way to get the Kugler brothers back in the mix, <laughs> dog. This is like I I mean from from beginning to end, I mean like the 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 watcher drop in the beginning yeah, where it's just yeah. like nigga, if you really <clears> want to take it there, we can. Just remember that you fucking with a family man. Like it's just like <laughs> the whole thing has like it felt like I, okay. So I did rewatch Creed's. Oh, one I rewatched Autumn Shiz. Oh yeah, yeah. I rewatched I rewatched Creed one and two uh, before mm-hmm. the second the second uh, the second installment. Um, the lead writer was Chio Hadari Coker yeah. of Luke, Luke Cage. Cage fame. Yeah. Um, and like, uh, I guess like there's been a sort of slight rehabilitation of Creed 2 when it comes to on demand and streaming because it's just like the perfect airplane movie. But like the the Ginny Sane Quan that was missing and in, in, in Creed 2 is back in Creed 3. Like, uh, I'm thinking specifically about like I turned to I went to go see with my girlfriend. I turned to her after the like the second sparring session when uh, Jonathan Major's character is going a little too hard on Felix, you know, like uh, getting real shots in and whatnot. And they have the dust, they have the dust up, and everybody's shouting. And, uh, and Wood Harris comes over and he's just kind of like, "Listen, you need to get him the fuck out of the gym. like all this other stuff," and like talking to like Michael B. Jordan this hushed but like anxious and aggressive tone yeah. 
and Jonathan Majors walks in off camera <laughs> and says, and he goes, don't get quiet now, Dookie. Yes, like, I was just kind of like, thank God the Cougars are back, man. <laughs> that shit is quiet great. now, Dookie. Yeah, that is like, that That moment is like, it does look like you can't tell whether he was acting, whether he thought he was done with the take, or what the fuck was happening. Don't get quiet now, Dookie. <laughs> oh man. Oh, yes. Uh it is a you know, it's it's a dark direction for the threequel. Yeah. Um, you know, has a second movie vibe. Yeah, has a vibe of a middle trilogy movie in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's it's you know, there's like top 10 great anime betrayals going on <laughs> in this movie. You know what I'm saying? Like it is. That is that that is the movie. <laughs> it is that that's that is what it is. Um, it is like it follows the story beats of a shonen anime of like you know Sasuke, Naruto, Luffy, Kaido, whatever. I Charles Holmes was talking about this, but like, like you know, it starts in the very beginning with um uh, with Adonis fighting uh Tony Bellew's character. Who who is he mm. again in the uh, I in? It's like rehashing stuff from the first one. Yeah, right? I, yeah, it is. It is rehashing like the like the first movie. Um, his character was going away for seven years on a gun possession charge, and like it's seven years later now in real time. Um, this movie coming out, so the movie begins with this big ticket fight in South Africa, and Adonis is just getting touched up in the first round. Like, I mean. But there are these sort of, <laughs> there are these like weird shots of him slipping like a, like a right straight and seeing like Tony Bellew's ribs. Yeah, you know, like the seeing that time. the opening is there, the <laughs> bullet, bullet time. <laughs> Just establishing like the tone of what the fight scenes are going to be. Like if you've, if you've watched anime and we've talked about this on this podcast, the anime bullshit of like the way that time works and fight and how fights and like how people have time to think rather than like, you know, it's sort of like, ah, you, I baited you with this thing and so on and so forth. And like, they do all of this pontificating about like, and, and then there's a flashback involving their father and then they learn a new thing. And this is something that happens in Demon Slayer all the time. So that is basically like what these fight scenes are like without, I guess, you know, stuff that would put off like, you know, the, your average movie goer with too much explanation. It's just right on the cusp like the, the the little Sharingan thing he does where it's just kind of like, oh, I see the opening. I'm going to leave it. And then he says, checkmate. It's still like, it's exhilarating and it works, right? Yeah. And you know what? I would actually compare it. Like, I like Creed 2. Um, I definitely, it's it's the weakest of the three, but I like it. But by, I think one of my complaints about Creed 2 is that if you compare it to one and then now to three, it definitely has the weakest fights. It's sort of like the way the fought, the fights are shot. And it's also the way that baby Drago's choreography in Creed two, it, it kind of like paints. I feel like a good thing about like boxing. Movies okay. Is when so, you, oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Sorry to cut you off. But like, I, I wanted to like punch it right there where you're talking about Florian Monto, who plays Ivan Drago's son, mm -hmm. like the yeah. fight choreography from that. I know that like, we are, we our listeners are internet traveled and have seen like that. Uh, like the clip of, I forget what the name of the movie is, but, you know, dorky, cool girl gets, you know, like games the entire high school by uh, getting with the varsity football captain. And we're just going to, we're going to do the homecoming thing together. And like, I'll teach you how to not be stupid and you teach me how to be cool thing. Mm -hmm. And there's that yeah. one clip of him throwing footballs and him like, on his follow through, he yanks his arm back in a way that you never would if you've ever thrown a football. Florian Monto does the same thing when he's punched, when he's, you know, like with his, with his, uh, with his, you know, sledgehammer right hand that they like talk about the, the whole movie. And he's this big, imposing physical presence and twice Michael B. Jordan's size. When he punches, he pulls back his right hand and puts it behind his back. And it's so awkward. Yeah. And it's like, we know we're dealing with the, 
boxing movie. We know it's not about being like super pedantic, but it's sort of like boxing movies. You know, it's like, I don't know. Boxing is this. There has to be a certain degree of believability. Yeah, but it's also like a certain degree of personality, right? Like you obviously have the script of a movie, but part of the personality in the boxing movie is how does this person fight? This is something that Creed 3 gets really well. I think an issue in Creed 2 is just that like, like you're describing Drago's figure in Creed 2, they have him be this big imposing guy with like a height and reach advantage over Michael B. Jordan. But then the way he fights Michael B. Jordan isn't really like right. It's just not right. Like, they make him this guy who goes in for body shots constantly when it's like, no, this guy would come in and, like, take his head off, right? Like, Michael B. Jordan yeah, would be the like one trying be to get in with body saw. shots. Yeah. yeah. You, would you know just what? Be- I Like, um, it was that movie uh, with Tom Hardy where he's, like, ex-military and he's an MMA fighter, mm-hmm. like, and he's so much bigger than Joel Edgerton. And it's like you, it feels like he's coming downhill constantly in the movie. Like, and they have like the, the little interspersed like ESPN things about how he ripped a tank door off to save like his other, uh, to save his comrades. And the way that he fights, it looks painful. Like, it looks like he's really hurting people. And it feels like in the first fight in Creed 2 that that's the way it could go, except for like, Michael B. Jordan starts going in for those body shots or whatever, and he's just not moving from the center of the ring. Like, it's just like he's eating them like marshmallows. Mm -hmm. And then he hits him and knocks him backwards. And I was like expecting that he would just start like, you know, oh, I like I got this. I'm just going to go and walk down on this guy. But not that never happens. Like, it's sort of. The idea that they would be standing in the center of the ring trading blows when he's a full foot and a half taller than Michael B. Jordan yeah. is, is kind of ridiculous. Yeah, and it's like in Creed 3, like the thing you're saying with the bullet time on Homeboy's ribs, it's like, yeah, these movies never, like for instance, they never explain super specific stuff about boxing. They never explicitly explain the idea of like, yeah, if you get hit with the hard, clean liver shot, your legs stop working, right? But they don't have to, right? Because in this movie, it's like, they do the shot that kind of subliminally communicates that like, oh, if he gets this shot off, this dude is going down, right? Like, and that's the thing. It's like the the beauty of what I think the best kind of like boxing choreography can be in these kinds of movies, right? Is it can communicate this stuff without being like a boxing snob about it. And I think yeah. Creed 3 does that really well. Yeah. Honestly. And it is cleanly done in the way that you're just, it's just like, it's measure twice, cut once every t- every single time he sees the opening and it works well enough to explain what's happening. Yeah. The beginning of the movie, though, kind of sets up a theme. And I'm curious what you think about this theme, right? Which is that, my man, Adonis Creed is getting old. I, this is the one thing about the movie that I think is not really is, well managed. But it doesn't work. <laughs> it, doesn't it doesn't work. work. It doesn't work old. because... Like, and it's like, you know, and the idea that Jonathan Majors can't like, you know, he can't get in the ring with anybody else because he's older than you are. And like, it's just like you are both you both look like 25 and you could both be (laughs) right. Yeah, it's weird because it's like it's all the comment, all the color commentary is always doing this. He's so old, isn't he? But then it's like everyone he fights in the movie or interacts with in the movie that isn't Wood Harris is his age. So what are we even talking? It's such a weird yeah. distinction to draw. Um, it, but I think also it's, it's tough to give like, it's, it would be tough to give a younger fighter the kind of, um, like a younger character, the kind of dip into the past I have stuff to protect. I'm a yeah. family man thing yeah. that he does in this movie, which I mean, like is in all of the press around it and him talking about the direction he wanted to take the movie, the, the, the franchise in and we need to establish Adonis on his own. Like that is a decent way to do it. Plus like if he's been watching stuff like a G may know Ipo and Megalobox, like this is the second season of Meg- Megalobox. But instead of him, like, you know, scrounging around on uh, on a dive bar bathroom floor for painkillers, 
Like it is, uh, it's him running away from his feelings, I guess. Like it's, it's very, it's a different kind of running away from his feelings by burying his head in his work. Um, but I, I feel that, I guess it's just that like it, in terms of setting that up, I think all of the kind of explicit, Hey, look at this guy's age stuff. Doesn't work nearly as well as the subtle is the sort of like unstated thing of having him dress like a new black constantly with those goddamn yeah. suits that he wears at the gym. Yeah, like, like the skinny suit pants. Yeah, like, this, all of that says everything you need to know. The way he dresses every time he's this, at the gym, it's like absurd. This, yeah, this the skinny suit pants and the cashmere hoodie under the blazer type shit. Yeah, this is. It's definitely, yeah, that 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 is as old as he gets to look. Yeah. But I mean, like, when he goes uh, for that, like, uh, for the training after, you know, he and the, he and Damien, like, finally decide they're gonna, they're, they're gonna have their, they're finally gonna have it out. Like, he shows up to training with his, like, fake beard, like, as if he's just sort of like, oh, I'm lost and, mm. and, and old and disheveled and. They're talking about, you know, the wear and tear he's had on his body, and they have to show their work because mm. he still looks great. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like they have to show their work, so they have that interstitial of like all the hard punches he's taken from the previous two movies. But like you know, there is little in the way of actual physical transformation for him in this movie. Whereas if you look even at the poster for the first Creed movie and then he, it's like, I, I want to say that he came into the second Creed movie with the same physique from the, from the first one. Mm-hmm. But when he has the good thing about that movie is after he gets battered uh, by, by baby Drago and he goes to Mexico and the, to the, to the, place quote unquote where fighters go to be reborn like I think that's also like a thing is that like the first one was so good because Philly is a character in the movie and Front Street Gym is like such a like I wanted the t-shirt you know like it says like like, I can't sing and I can't dance so I box like this one is just sort of like all right, well we gotta build you up somehow we're gonna take you to the desert (laughs) and but the thing is, is that his shoulders get so much bigger in like in the second half of that movie to where it looks like he's actually geared up to fight him this time. Yeah. But sure. then he has, you know, he's just big. He's just big throughout this movie. You know? Yes. Um, that's, we got to talk about Jonathan Majors. Damien. Damien. Oh, man. <laughs> okay, can I, I I'm going to ask you a question. Uh-huh. Did did you did you see where it was going? Because to me, I like I I I wasn't ready. I kind of wasn't ready, right? I was waiting. I was waiting because I knowing. The, I mean, like, okay, so you've seen like uh, if you've been you know looking at the coverage for this movie and the lead up to it, like Jonathan Majors sort of talking about how like uh Michael B Jordan got him to sit down and watch like this anime and that anime and you know like this is what I want the relationship for the char- between the characters to be you're looking for the switch up like even as it starts off with the two of them you know going joyride and being little bros together like you know having fun in the in the beginning parts of the movie like and when he comes back it's like you know that something is gonna happen. You're just waiting for when. And yeah, I gotta say, I gotta say, when they had like the, when they had um Felicia Rashad go up into like the cabinet to pull out like the box of letters <laughs> and photos, and then there's like the picture of him jail posed up with uh, the light skinned dude that yeah. broke uh, Baby Drago's hand with a nightstick. I was like, damn, I, I that did like I was still surprised by the way they pulled it off. So, so but, here's the thing, like the moment. So if you remember the scene, like the, the scene in the club or whatever the after party is, right, where where the dude jumps, drag like baby Drago, fucks up the. Fight it's a it's the record party, yeah, the record party right, the for record. 
uh, Tessa Thompson has an artist her, that her, she's her producing. Her beautiful in-universe music career. We love, we love this artist. She's, yeah, she's, she's, she's producing Kalani. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what it is now. Yeah. The, the light skins got to stick together. But, um, it's like, the mo- so if you remember that scene, right, the moment, it's like the jump in at the party happens and it immediately cuts to a news broadcast about it. And the first the thing they emphasize in the news broadcast is the mugshot of the guy who they arrested for jumping Baby Drago at the party. The moment I saw that, I was like, oh, this nigga, this nigga Damien did it. Like, I was just like, they wouldn't show the mugshot if it didn't have something to do with prison. So I got it there. And yet, and yet, right, it's sort of like, in my mind, I'm still turning it over and I'm like, yeah, but this the movie has to be going to a place where it's just going to be about how Damien's desperate and he's just like, he just wants, you know what I mean? He's desperate for a last chance and he just, and he's he's doing anything and you're going to feel sympathetic and it's going to be tragic that they fight, but it's, you're going to feel sympathetic. And so even then, even having called from the moment that you see the dude's mugshot on TV way before you get to the Felicia, Felicia Rashad reveal... I don't know, man. I, even then, I did not, I did not see them going in the direction of like, oh no, this nigga hates you. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? but I, that's I the mean, part I didn't think that they would do. Like, I think evil. <laughs> yeah, not, well, like, <laughs> I, I mean, like it's not evil. You know, it is sort of like well. I think it's as big a question about what changes about a person when they've been locked down for 17 years. Right, right. You really don't know them, like, at all. Right. And sure, like, I think if you, you know, look uh, backwards through the lens of that reveal, you might notice things about his body language at the party where he's kind of looking over his shoulder, like, you know, the kind of thing where it's just sort of like in the first movie, when uh when Rocky comes to visit uh Adonis in the hotel and he's like kind of looking over his shoulder at the door waiting for Tessa Thompson to show up. Like there's a little bit of that, like, but it's less telegraphed, uh, with the way that Damien's acting at the party. Still though, like I yeah, I didn't expect them to go turbo mode with like, yeah, <laughs> the like the beat scene to the beats. I didn't expect the beat scene. The, the beat, beat scene? scene? <laughs> the beats. And like okay, so like to fully lay this out, I also said like in the movie, like at the when the beach scene happens, because it was just like because the like Adonis goes to confront uh, Damien at the beach to lay this all out. He finally, after uh, Baby Drago's hand is broken, like. Adonis can't do anything but turn to Damien because he's the only, like, fighter he knows that could, you know, step into this next title shot fight against Felix. Uh, And during the fight, like, Damien just fights super dirty. Just, I mean, like, throwing shots at his shoulder. ODB dirty. Yeah, I mean, ODB dirty. (laughs) Like, and, like, I mean, like, dirty as a matter of calculation, which makes it even grimier. Yeah. Like, it's like it's not like there's any frustration. His plan was he's, to fight that dirty. He's having fun doing it, too. Like, you look at yeah. his face during those scenes, and he's just And like he's rocking. loving it. He's loving it. Yeah, so when they go to the beach afterward, and... Because, I mean, like, also, when he's, when he's celebrating finally having the title belt, it's like he didn't expect that Adonis was gonna... Even then, it seems like he didn't expect that Adonis was gonna, like, have an issue with the way that he just beat his fighter to a pulp fighting dirty. So Adonis goes to confront him on the beach later and he's out there like just with his niggas like listening to Nipsey and like there's a barrel fire and they're all like they're drinking and everybody's having he's got his chest all out and his friend comes like steps to Adonis first and pulls out a gun and then like he turns to him he's just like no 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 hold on let me give me that give me that give me that and I'm just kind of like, okay, the gears have changed. Yeah. And then when he yeah. goes, he goes like, you know, I'm coming for it all. I was just like, he's got dark eyes now. Like, it's like, he looks like, like, he, you know what I'm talking about? His eyes get wider, like as, like, you know, like the he's getting more crazed. <laughs> like, uh, 
especially after he has the belt. It's just sort of like, you know, now I'm like, I'm big Hobie now. Like, but it's just like, if you have ever had like a nomadic relationship, like with somebody like in your childhood or whatever, like, you know exactly what it is, you know? Like it's, it's, it's still, even though it's like a gear change, it doesn't feel like it comes totally out of nowhere. Right. For sure. For sure. Um, And I think one thing that's, we can talk about the performance part, like Jonathan Major specifically. One thing though I do want to say is that I think uh, credit to Michael B. Jordan, right? It's like the, the, the milking of tension about Damien throughout the movie, just based on kind of like, the flow of everything. Like one of the things I think is really smart that actually chewed over for like 10 minutes in the movie is the first time he gets in the ring to spar with Felix. It's like this huge, it's like, you know, Wood Harris is doing this huge thing about like, no one wants to spar with him. He always goes too hard. He talking about Felix. Right. And it's like, you know, this is the beginnings, right. Of Damien's plan. And he begs his way into the ring. And it's sort of like, they kind of just end the scene unceremoniously and cut to to Michael B. Jordan's house before you see anything happen between Damien and Felix. And I remember thinking in that moment of like, man, 10 minutes from now, you would get a call from Wood Harris being like, yeah, Felix died. He died in the ring. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or it's like, or it's like the scene. <laughs> That's what I thought was going to happen. I thought you going to be like, yeah, this thing is on life support at the hospital. Like, Damien killed well, him. You- <laughs> it's also like, it's also like a death bit of costume work because, like, he comes home, he's in this tattered Carhartt jacket and a beanie, mm-hmm. like, and jeans. Like, he, like, I've, I think I he's think out it's of like, shape. It's, he, you initially yeah, are like, he might be out of shape. You can be like, he might be out of shape. Like, it's very, like, you don't, and he has to say that, you know, like, hey, I've kept myself tight. I'm still together. I got it. And when he's training, like, you know, he's wearing full sweats and a thermal underneath a, a crew neck sweatshirt mm-hmm. and, he, and, 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 like, you don't see anything. And then, like, he could be you Rick know, Ross even, under there. He could be Rick yeah, Ross. Yeah, he could under be. There. He could be. He could be you me. know he's not. You know, like you know he's not because Jonathan Majors has been. You know, like yeah. he did Magazine <laughs> Dreams, where he plays a bodybuilder, and you've seen all the, all of the the magazine covers and the and the internet thirst and whatnot. You know already. But even as like, if you were just watching like within the living memory of the movie, it'd be like, yeah, it's just like you don't know yet. And even as they're like they're sitting in the tombs of the of the arena, like before the 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 bout, and like he's sitting down, he's wearing that towel, like the Tyson towel hoodie thing. And when they slip it off, when the like right when the the fight is about to start, okay, I went to see this movie like in like at the Baldwin Hills Plaza on Crenshaw, like opening night. The entire theater went. Ooh, because <laughs> 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 like, it's just like, oh wait, <laughs> things things might be about to go left here. <laughs> oh no, oh man, uh, it is. Yeah, I mean, like it is. It's very good with how it baits and switches. Um, and and can I also say the ba- so the other part of this? It's like. The fact that they cut away from the sparring before you really see what's going on in the ring. The fact of, you you know the scene when he drops by the house and it's sort of like Tessa Thompson puts the daughter to bed and they're drinking Henny, right? And they're just sort of like hanging out in that pool room. And there's just, there's again, it's like the way it's shot and the way, the body language between the two of them. I just remember sitting there thinking the whole time of like, Jonathan, like Damien is pure potential energy and they're in this room and it's filled with glass and everything looks really delicate. And I'm just like, this nigga's going to break your shit. Yeah, I just kept having this thought. I'm like, how does Michael B. Jordan not see it? And that's the whole, it's like one of the, I think, low key MVP performances in the movie is Wood Harris, right? Because like Wood Harris has this role in the movie where he's the one guy. He's the one guy who, like, the minute he first lays eyes on Damien, he's, he's like, just like, nah, no, no, nah, he's like, nope. <laughs> I, and he see, it's like he sees the entire plot. Of the, he's like, 
he's like a Shakespeare character, right? He's just like he sees the entire plot of the movie coming from a mile away. He's a he's, he's a Greek chorus unto himself. Be like, yeah, yeah, he's a Greek chorus unto himself. Like, so the the undercurrent of this is that you know Sylvester Stallone is not involved this time around because of a long-time feud with producer Erwin Winkler, who signed them to a predatory contract in 1976 when the first Rocky movie came out. He owns none of the rights, so on and so forth. He's just like, I'm not going to be involved with Creed 3. I'm not even going to watch it. You know, I wish, you know, Michael B. Jordan them the best. I mean, like, he even, you know, drummed up this uh, a, a bigger stink when like that there was that news or that there was this leak about there being a Drago spinoff and he didn't know about it and so on and so forth. But what we actively get in the movie is Wood Harris finally gets off the bench and it is like the movie is like better for it because in the first in the first movie, you know, Donnie is Donnie. It's Donnie. You know, in the second movie, he's D and the third movie, he gets to be Adonis. But when he's Donnie and he's just like this sort of mockish, like early 20s, whatever, like trying to call Rocky Unk, you know, like they're trying to establish the sort of paternal, you know, nephew and uncle relationship. But it doesn't really work until it's him and Wood Harris because him was Wood Harris is like the ultimate uncle figure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, I agree with you. So it's just like it's he gets it's he's he's funny, he's sagacious, and he sees he sees everything a mile off, just like you were saying. Like, so it's just sort of like, nah, you don't even need this nigga around. It's problems. But like it's problems we don't need. Yeah, and it's also like to, to your point though about the contrast with Stallone, right? It's it's it is a nice contrast between how Creed two plays up Stallone not wanting Adonis to take the fight with Drago versus how, you know, Creed Three takes Wood Harris not wanting Adonis to have anything to do with Damien, right? Like, there's a similar thing on paper, right? Of, like, the coach who's like, no, like, you're not going into this with clear eyes and a clear mind. But, like, Wood Harris just brings so much urgency and it's like he is he is kicking and screaming against fate for that entire movie and the it's like by the time that it's the scene with like MBJ and, he, and Wood Harris in the tunnel after the ambulance is leaving the fight where Felix is laid out on his ass. Wood Harris just looks like he's about to have you, a fucking stroke on camera. He's just like, Fuck it's so great. Yeah. It's so great because it's like you can already see like when like when Michael Jordan goes into the ring to ch you know like to check like whether the lights are still on with Felix and like he has to look at his mom. And like his daughter has already been taken away because she's just like, we can't watch this. And like it is like while he is getting like Felix getting pounded into a fine red mist. And like he's got to go down the line and try to make it right or whatever. And he get, like when he gets into the tunnel, it's like you can already feel it on him. This that may be the best acting he does in the whole movie. Like. Because it's like you can feel his, like, uh, okay, body language experts in, in sports and sports call this, like, hiding your, your vulnerable points. Like, his chest goes inward. It feels like, you know, he forgot to take the chicken out the thaw. It's like how, is, is how it is, is like how he plays it. Yeah. And it's perfect. Yeah. Because by the time that Wood Harris even steps on screen, you're just kind of like, Oh, he fucked up. Whereas <laughs> like, like, it's just like, don't even, don't, don't even, don't, don't even start. Like, don't, don't even, don't, you need to not even come back to the gym for a while. Like, <laughs> and it is great. It is so great. And I, and like, I, like, and it's like, he doesn't get through to him until, like, until after the 11th round before the final bit of boxing in the movie and he's just like you need to get out of whatever was and step into what is like it's just it's so great like 
Yeah. Yeah. It was, we're, we're glad that Wood Harris got off the bed. Your last day of vacation and you found time for a deep tissue massage followed by a long mud bath then a two-hour nap. Because you're an American Express Platinum Guard member and booked your stay at a fine hotel and resort through Amex Travel, which means a 4 p.m. checkout. And those relaxing vacation vibes can keep going at the airport in the Centurion Lounge. Just a splash. Before you board the plane back to reality. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your travel experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Upgrade your home now at Blinds.com's anniversary sale and celebrate savings up to 50% off premium window treatments for years to come. Shop 100% online for modern Roman and woven wood shades, shutters, motorized options, and more. Do the installation yourself or have Blinds.com handle it. Say cheers to Blinds.com's free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee. Shop Blinds.com's anniversary sale now for up to 50% off. Save up to 50% at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. And I think, okay, to that point, the thing he says to him during that fight, the last fight where he's like, you need to step out of what was, and you like, you here now, like you need to step into the now. It's like the, I think both, Wood Harris and Tessa Thompson, right? So, right, it's like Duke and Bianca, they're sort of pushing like the through line of the movie, which is this kind of like, I mean, it's, it's, it kind of connects back to the first movie, right? Remember in, first, in the first Creed, Stallone says the thing to him when he's when when Adonis is starting out, he does the thing, the boxing coach thing. They're in the mirror shadow boxing. And he's just like, this is your number one enemy is yourself. You fighting the guy in the mirror. Right. And it's like the third movie picks up that idea. And it's like, yeah, man, you think that you're reacting to this guy named Damien from your childhood. And really, he's just he's become this like cipher for all the things you're running away from and that's why you can't recognize them for who he really is right and i think it's clever it's like it ends up being this movie that in a weird way is like a really sincere embodiment of that meme about men would rather do x than go to therapy and yet it's not cringe it's not pat right it's not like it's a thing i can say about the movie but it actually does it really well and Tessa Thompson and Wood Harris in particular, I think, see that through line really well. Yeah. I, I mean, like, it is kind of... A boxing movie is made by its supporting characters. Like, that's, you know, that's just the truth of it. Like, I mean, the it's not to... I mean, like, it, to take nothing away from the lead performances, but, like, boxers aren't meant to be, like, Shakespearean... Like, you know, uh, just sort of giving you tomes about how they feel and what they think about the world. Like the rest of the the rest of the characters of the movie have to feel that out for them. Like, and I mean, I'm gonna go back to like the second season of Megalobox because like there's Coach Dambu and there's Sachio and there's the kids that he left behind and what he's and like, you know, there's this similar through line in the second season of what he's running from and what he's running to and why he's so self-destructive. And it, you can't accomplish that with like someone uh, like a, with just a stoic lead character like Joe or like Adonis would like to be, you know, or, or like, you know, with petulance or with anything else. Like it's sort of like you need, somebody to be slapping him upside the head and being like, hey, you know, yeah. like, look at the board. Don't make don't make me point to the screen again. <laughs> like there has to be somebody like that in the movie. Yeah. And it's like sometimes <clears throat> sometimes it's like tempting to to look at how Bianca goes about it. Cause she does these like very throat clearly like, 
is there something you're not telling me, Adonis? And you end up like, this is kind of basic. But it's like, oh, right. It's Michael B. Jordan. Like, you kind of have to talk to him like this. And it's why the conversation they have by the end of the movie, right, after, I mean, R.I.P., right, like, Felicia Rashad, right? Like, they have the conversation where Adonis finally opens up. And, you know, Bianca's like, I don't know. They they finally have a mature sort of, like, natural conversation. But it, it is actually pretty fitting when you think about that dynamic you're saying with supporting characters in boxing movies that for every moment up until that natural conversation at the memorial service, Bianca spends the whole movie being like, are there feelings you would like to share with me? <laughs> like, yeah, it's, just, it's just like, hey, listen, I'm holding space for you. Yeah. It's like, you know? it's really... And like, it's, it's sort of like in, in the beginning, it's I'm holding space for you. And then it's just like, I'm holding space for you. I'm holding space for you. I'm holding space for you. Yeah, and, it's, and, and it just like continues on that trajectory until finally, it's just sort of like his armor is, you know, cut right down the middle with, you know, like the death of his mother. And he's just like, I literally cannot protect myself anymore. So I have to share this with someone yeah. before I yeah. go insane. Um, yeah. And I, I mean, like both of those characters are corny, but their corniness works so well together. Like they're so like, even, you know, going back to the first and second movies, like their tender moments together are very cute. You know, yeah, like it's yeah. this is it's a like it is a very straightforward, traditional movie, straightforward, traditional performances. And that can work. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be reinventing the wheel every time. Like this, the, the changes in this movie are very subtle. Before we dwell on the end of the movie, I, I do want to draw. I'm curious what you think. I want to draw a contrast between the fight between Damien and Felix and the fight between Damien and Adonis. Um, just because I think it's interesting. I actually think, like to what I was saying at the beginning of the episode about boxing choreography in these movies, mm-hmm. I thought the second fight does really, it, it does a really good job of the thing that I was saying about using, even if you're not going to over-explain boxing as a sport, sort of making making the choreography sort of give you an immediate sense of personality. And in that second fight, the like anybody should be able to look at how he fights in the second fight, regardless of what they know about boxing and be like, this is a jail nigga. <laughs> like this nigga is, <laughs> this is like, yes. this is, pri- this is prison shit. He is doing and prison honestly, shit. <laughs> he's like, he bought the same prison, the, he bought the same prison shit to like, Kane the Conqueror. If you saw Ant-Man, <laughs> if you saw Ant-Man, you saw the way that he was whooping up on Paul Rudd in the final minutes of that movie. Like, it is like, it's unorthodox, it's strong, and it is constantly moving forward. Like, there's no, like, he doesn't it's, re- yeah. like, it's not like it's there's unsafe. no sidestep. Exactly. Exactly. It's like so unsafe, but because do, because Felix is arrogant, they, they do a good job of setting him up as arrogant, so he's like, He's just not ready for it. But he just comes with so much unsafe, dangerous shit that should get him killed, except he's fighting an idiot, right? So he just fucking clobbers him. Like, to your point about him being a bloody mist by the end of it, it's like he wins on the strength of unexpected prison shit that whole fight. <laughs> and that one commentator makes that wise guy about like, oh, he should, maybe he should probably brush up on a rule book. It's just like, he knows the rules and that's exactly why he can get around them so deftly. Like, you know, another, another movie, another Jonathan Majors movie I watched in the intervening time. I rewatched uh, The Harder They Fall. Mm-hmm. And the first two like hand-to-hand things like uh, Regina King is standing like immediately behind whoever it is that's doing the fighting. So the first first instance is Lakeith Stanfield on a train during a stand-up. And like there's this bigger like white guy with a big bushy beard that I've seen like as a special forces member or grunt number two in like X number of action thrillers. Like he's just much bigger than Lakeith Stanfield is. And he's just kind of like, maybe you'll win. And so he, he faces up to him but then he ducks the first punch and reaches back and Regina King hands him a knife and he slits every single artery on his leg. 
And the second time, it's Idris Elba and Dion Cole. Uh, and, you know, like, they actually trade a few punches. But then once, like, Idris Elba ducks a punch, he reaches back and Regina King hands him a pistol and he just starts beating Dion Cole in the head with it. Like, this is, like, the same sort of, like, kind of, you know, hey, I'm putting my left hand up here and then I'm going to kick you in the nuts with my right foot. Like, it's just, like, Ooh. that sort of misdirection <laughs> yeah. for the whole fight. Yeah. And then it's... Um, I, I bring it up. I go back to the second fight just to say that, like, it's interesting that the second fight, he fights very differently. And it's funny because, like, the setup for the match, right, is, like, the scene, maybe my favorite scene in the movie. When he oh, the first Steven take Smith. one? Yes, the fucking Stephen <laughs> <A>. Smith. <laughs> you, <laughs> you decided to come on my show, which you have never done. You've never done. You've never done. <laughs> <laughs> and like he's like Stephen A. Smith is in there being Stephen A. Smith, yeah. but also being like Stephen A. Smith is just like it's Stephen A. Smith time it's in that scene, Smith and it's so great. <laughs> oh my god! It's like it, it's best scene of the movie, both the part because it's like two locations, right? Because it's a call in, right? It's like the part that's yeah. in the studio with Stephen A. Smith and Michael B- in, in Adonis Creed, and then Stephen A. Smith says, "We have a caller. We have a caller," <laughs> and then it's it's fucking. <laughs> Damien and then Damien calling. He he's like sitting eating ribs in his dark apartment with his girl on the couch, and he's just shit talking him on live TV. And to me, your point, you mentioned this early on, right? About like when they're when the relationship falls apart, when you have the sort of when when Damien twists the knife and he's like, "Nah, I can't. I hate you," and you ran away, and I'm gonna antagonize you now. Like part of it is like. Yeah, it's just like with all of like he turns the script because it's just like nobody can really it really drives home the point that nobody can really hurt you like someone that knows you. (laughs) Right, it does. But I think an important thing about that scene, right, to your point about why it's it doesn't feel like the twist doesn't feel like it comes out of nowhere is that even in that scene, right, the scene with Stephen A, the scene with Stephen A, where he is baiting him he's baiting Adonis hard into taking a fight with him. It's like the way that they fight on air where it's like Michael B. Jordan wearing yet another one of those suits, the, the, <laughs> the washed bougie Negro suit. And then meanwhile, fucking, you have fucking Jonathan Majors in a wife beater eating ribs. And it's just like, yes, this friendship is a tale as old as time. It is the bougie Negro and the hood nigga you can't take nowhere. It's like these two people are fated to be together and to be <laughs> he frenemies literally, like this. He literally says in that scene, not like this. Not like this. We don't handle <laughs> problems like this. It's like, well, we... Uh, we it's too we late, bro. We now, live, bro. We live, bro. We gonna do it like this. And it's like, this it's, is a tale as old as time. This is a tale of black friendship. I also love like that at the end of that scene, it's not like, you know, I like I'm like I'm coming for you or anything like they don't try to overwrite it because it's literally, you know, if you like, it's just like, all right. Yeah, you got that. When you you put your armpit in the rim over me, but I'm getting my fucking rematch. And it's just like, all right, run it, run it, run it. He says, run yeah. it. Okay, run it. That is the idea is the best scene of the movie. But and it's it's like so you've seen the scene on the beach. You've seen the scene the first take scene where they're shit talking on air and it's like, it's created enough ambiguity about how much, like, I don't know, how much does Damien really hate Adonis or resent him? Like, how bad, it's bad blood, but how bad is the blood? And I think an interesting thing communicated in the fight itself is that he doesn't fight him. Like, I mean, part of it is like you have this training montage, right? Where they're both tightening up. They're both trying to sort of safeguard their weaknesses and vulnerabilities and the things that the other person knows about their fighting style and whatnot. But it's also just like this basic thing of like, he doesn't really try to pull stupid prison shit the way he does on Felix. And it's because he, started. he doesn't respect Felix, right? And it's like, as much as he talks shit about Adonis in the latter third of that movie... The way he fights him is like, no, he respects him and he even fears him, honestly. And like, that's the tension of that fight is that you, he know, you like as silly as Joker, like as he, he puts on by the end of that movie, when he gets in the ring, it's, it's for real for both of them. And I thought that that was like a nice, I don't know. I thought that contrast was important. I thought it was, I thought it was important that 
they didn't just play it up as like the bougie dude versus the jail nigga and they just have these two wildly different fight styles like i they both played for keeps in that fight i thought yeah i well i mean like they did try they did get a little bit in there you know like he's he does try to get a couple shots in below the belt like early but i i like that it's like they kind of do away with that with like Michael B. George just being like, I know you, nigga. Like, don't don't, don't try that <laughs> don't shit try with that me. Shit. Like, yeah, like it's and and again, like the the way that like the, the the crowd falls away, like and they start like introducing all sorts of things from their past and you know just doing a bunch of animation. That's the animation. I loved that. that was the I animation. Loved it. Yeah, I loved it. Um. Like, yeah, I mean, like it was, it was, it was great. I th- I still think that Felix had the best entrance of like any Yo, fighter oh, in the absolutely, movie, absolutely, like, or any of the movies. By a his country, insane. by a country mile, like that in shit was so cool. Yeah, that shit was so cool. Like the trunks was was fire. The music me, was like, fire. <laughs> I mean, like the like the, the like the the scarf thing he was wearing when he was walking yeah. into the ring. I was just like, this nigga looks imperious, man. <laughs> like, this is... Like, yeah, I, like... I... It just made me think, like, man, I really wish they would have put more into, like, the entrances. I wish it was more of a bit, like, in the movies. Because, I mean, like, yeah. they had... Uh, yeah, I agree with Like, you. Tony Bellew's character came out to Crepton Conan in the first movie. They were at Merseyside. Um... Uh, Adonis comes out in that movie to Hail Mary, which I was just like, oh, that's a good, like, that's a, it, it, that's just like, that's the kind of thing that makes you think about what your entrance music would be. But then after that, they started trying to make it a tandem thing, where his wife walks him to the ring and then they try to, you know, like drop original music in there. And I'm just like, play the hits. Because when Damien comes out, they put Big Sean in. There. That's just, that. That really. I was just like, man. I, that's. Uh, I was just like, he's gonna lose. <laughs> it's just like this <laughs> because, like, you know, Damien came out the last time I checked, and I was just like, that's exactly what that character would come out to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, about to some Big Sean bars. Shonda, Shonda, you gonna lose this fight. <laughs> we're gonna lose all night <laughs> get the big shot off bro. And I was just like see not me I would've came out to you know it would've either <laughs> been Money on My Mind by Lil Wayne or Main Slime by Pooh Shiesty like the last couple of minutes like the last minute and 30 seconds of Main Slime by Pooh Shiesty I think <laughs> would've been better you know, if I could choose anything. You know I'm not. I'm going to come out to the Chobits theme song. It's bullshit. <laughs> Throw people off. Throw people off. Uh, the vision of Escaflone. Um, Yeah, I don't know. The last fight is fire. The way they, the contrivance they come up with, the anime, right, thing where they, it's like actually a really clever solution to like, look, man, every boxing movie can't either have it, the fight in in three rounds or just do a super cut in order to get to round 10, you know what I yeah. mean? So it's like, I, I like that they use anime bullshit to sort of be like, let's get through the first several rounds. To get from round three fight. to 11. Yeah, <laughs> to get from round yeah, three to so, 11, so, they so use animation. So that we can have shit. them be kind of, yeah, they use animation. That is definitely the, if like all the, uh, you could argue, I think that some of the sort of, this movie is anime stuff is kind of over, over, oversold maybe except for the last fight the last fight is definitely the, I mean the yeah. little recreation of the Naruto the shot where they both hit each other simultaneously in the face yeah like, where they both uh, hit yeah. each other in the face and also like the gut punch when like the sweat lifts off his back yeah, I was yeah, just like yeah. that's great yeah. that's good stuff yeah that the anime bullshit you really gotta you gotta stick to the end brother and it's worth it um and yeah, how does the fight even? I'm trying to remember like how what note does the fight end on? I don't even remember at this point. So it's really like live. I do remember. I do remember because like everybody in the theater was cheering like it was an actual fight. fight. Like because it was just kind of like knock his ass out, knock his ass out. <laughs> and I was and like I was actually I was joining in. I was just like he running chase that nigga. Like it was because because he got he had his back on the ropes mm-hmm. and then like he covers up. Oh, and then. 
And then they have like the like the meeting of the eyes thing where he spies the through opening. Through his guard, yeah. Yeah, and he gets he gets the straight through the guard and then like he doubles back and then he gets another, he gets a hook in and just drops it to the canvas. So it's like, it wasn't like he eked across the finish line like it was in the first movie or the second. Like he put his ass down. I also want to point out that unlike the first two movies, he never gets to a point in that fight where he has like the nutty professor makeup on and his eyes like so swollen shut that you're yeah. just like, Professor Clump in here, dog. Like he, he holds together pretty well um, in that last Yeah, fight. he still looks pretty at the end of that yeah, fight. Yeah, that's the thing. They know? made him look cute. They let, they let Michael B. Jordan look cute even at the end of this fight. Um, in conclusion... <laughs> and yet, well, yeah, and in the scene... I don't know. I I like the nice touch of the the scene right with them back like in the yeah. locker room after where he where I don't know. What did you make of that note? The idea that like after that fight, then Damien is like, yeah, I don't blame you for running away. You know what I mean? It's like we haven't even explained I like think... the running away thing and like the foster so, home and all that shit. Yeah, to 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 lay it out there, uh, like Adonis and Damien came up hard. They were in the group home together. They protected each other. And like the movie begins with like Adonis sneaking out of like his just sneaking out to 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 follow Damien to a gold gloves boxing match and to hold his bags and do this other thing. And it's just like they do it like they've done it, you know, tens and hundreds of times. You know, they've been together for the longest. And it goes south after Damien wins his fight and they go out and they're like, you know, oh, let's stop at the convenience store to get this, that, and the other thing. And then Adonis runs into their, like by chance runs into their father from the group home and just pops off on him and like gets to beat him in his face. Then he's getting jumped by the group home father's friends. And then Damien pulls a gun, you know, to, to save him. But Adonis, like, you know, books it when the cops show up and Damien gets caught. And that's what starts, like, you know, their their prolonged absence in each other's lives. So the idea is that Damien has been carrying this 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 hurt for all this time. And Adonis has just tried to forget that it even happened. Um, but, like, at the end of the movie, it's like... Damien hands him like the closure that he needed the entire movie of being like, it wasn't my fault. We were just kids. Like, how could anybody have handled that situation? What would anybody else have done? You know, it's just that the like the balls broke this way. Yeah. Um, and even though I don't like even though I don't personally believe that like the Davian character would like have that emotional epiphany right after getting his ass beat like that. Yeah, that's the tough thing. That is that. Yeah. like that is like, but that's also an anime thing, you yeah. know? It's just sort mm -hmm. of like we have learned a lot about ourselves and each other by pummeling each other. Yeah. And, you know, through that, we've reached each other in a way that we haven't been able to it by doing all the talking that we did before. So I was willing to suspend my disbelief because it's just like I wanted that closure for the Adonis character yeah, and I, for the Damien character. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and if anything, yeah, I did feel selfish at the end. Like the, the idea of like I wanted that closure, it's like even if it does, it does feel a little contrived, but it is kind of like the no, the movie needed to end on. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, because it couldn't just be like, uh, you know, I'm sure there probably was a a way to kind of make it more of a cold war. And like they could have set up like Damien as a recurring character because it's like he did have the title belt and he just lost it. He could come back for it again, mm -hmm. you know, like it could be like, you know, all right, Creed 4 rematch. It, they could have set that up, but I liked that they kind of were just like, no, nah, let's book in this. Yeah, because... they they left their options open, though, I think. Um... I mean, sure, they did, but I I like I I think I prefer it this way to like Damien still 
obviously holding on to like the animosity that he had before. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Especially because, you know, Adonis Creed is so old and it's just like, he's at death's door, really. Who else is he going to fight at this stage of his life and career? And it's like, <laughs> okay. Um, I yeah, think- maybe they'll have their own, like, you know, Apollo Rocky thing going on. Oh, our or- producer Stefan says thoughts on Future Girl Creed. Actually, before we get to Future Girl Creed, I have to I have to bring up something. So you okay. you mentioned this before in like the in Felicia Rashad, right? So Adonis's mom, the bit where we learn that she she that that um Jonathan Majors sent him a bunch of correspondence in prison and like mm-hmm. Felicia Rashad hit it. And he's just like, You're not reading this. You not you know what I mean? She intercepted it and hid it from him. Adonis didn't know, right? And it's like Adonis was kind of hiding anyway from Damien. Like, he runs away from the scene, and then he kind of makes a point of not really reaching out while he's going through all his legal shit after, you know, pulling the gun at the the check cashing place. And it's sort of like Felicia Rashad just kind of nudges things in that direction by also intercepting the correspondence from jail throughout the childhood. Yeah. It's like, there's something about how when you first see the scene where she pulls the box of correspondence out, it reveals the photo with the dude who jumped with his name at the recording party. And I'm just like, why are they lighting her like she's Alfred in Batman? <laughs> like, that is what her character kind of turns into <laughs> this movie. Of like, my spirit's always trying to protect you. I was trying to protect that you. Letter. <laughs> oh, but that letter. I know what From this Maggie means. It means your hatred. Yeah, it's just a... It's, it's, uh, they turn her into it, Alfred in this movie for some yeah. reason. It's, she, yeah. she was not like this in the other movies. She is not Alfred Pennyworth in Creed 2. Yeah, but I mean... But I mean, like... But also, she's a... I mean, like, but also she's a black mom. You yeah, know? Like, yeah. It's, she's like, of course she's she would. She's a bougie like, black right, mom, yeah. Exactly. I'd be like, listen, I, we don't, you don't need that in your life. Yeah. I'm gonna help you move on, yeah. whether or not you ask for it. Like it's it 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 that was probably what I thought about the least. Okay. You know? <laughs> it's just, but, I, it was like it's like the one scene where it's like she's lit entirely by candles and all the other lights in her house are off, but she's going through these old letters. It's like, what are you doing, Felicia Shot? Oh, uh, uh, Master Bruce, I'll draw the hard job pass for you. Why do we fall, Master Bruce? <laughs> so we can learn to pick ourselves back up. Uh, um yeah, but uh, Girl Creed. <laughs> um, I don't know. You know, sure. If it, and like, listen, I'll watch anything that's good. If you can make a good, if you can make a good Girl Creed, great. I think the like the Amara storyline mm-hmm. is very fun. Yeah, you know? it is fun. I, like it's it's very fun. Like it's very cute. I like the like you know. It it also gives you like a window into what like Adonis Creed's home life would be like, you know, like you get rustled up by your daughter to have a tea party and a frog onesie. Yo, that shit is fire. That that onesie so is fire. Cute. In the, it's it is so cute. But like the like maybe the punch that I like cheered most, like besides like the final knockout punch. Was when uh, like she's drawing, she's drawing in class, and then like the little white girl picks up the picture and rips it in oh, half for yeah! no reason, <laughs> and she steps through her ripping the paper and lays her out. Now yeah. it's just like fuck yeah. And the way that shot is so like oh <laughs> yeah, that you're right. That is I I agree with you. That is the second most that is the second most gratifying punch of the movie. I agree with you. Oh, I think that's all we got of the movie. Um, all the yeah. stars, a lot of stars. Not as good as Creed One. It's still the thing about Creed One, and I get what you were saying about Stallone in the beginning of this conversation. I still think that like the 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 thing about Creed One that makes it what it is is that is is that freakishly good chemistry between Michael B. Jordan and Stallone. I'm not saying that it was bad. You know I'm I mean? not it's saying that, that it was. But, my, but Wood Harris does step up. You're totally right about that. That like Wood yeah. Harris. Like step the fuck up in this movie. Like I loved Wood Harris in this movie, and you're right. It's like he. You compare that with the fact that in the first two movies, he's not even really that much of a factor, and then here he becomes to being like maybe my favorite performance in the movie. There, like I think 
I think what I'm getting at with him and the Wood Harris character is that the table stakes are like, like they 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 have similar table stakes. You know, like they ha- they speak the same language. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that just because, like, you know, oh, he's black and everything. But yeah. that, yeah, that's the that's the truth. That's that, like, it is it is what it is. Like their chemistry is different than the one between, like. Like, cause the the overarching thing over the first one is that it is tying a direct lineage to movies that came out X number of decades yeah. prior. Yeah. Like, it's sort of like he has to come with this sort of like they're not really speaking on the same level, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, even if even if Stallone, even if Rocky saw the same thing that would you know that Duke saw when Damien sort of first approaches and first weasels his way into the situation, he wouldn't be able to sort of communicate about it the way that Duke he does. Wouldn't, he wouldn't go straight to it like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be like, listen, you know, maybe, uh, uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe, uh, maybe, uh, It'll uh, take the fight. You know, <laughs> maybe, uh, you're, 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 you're punching at somebody who can't defend himself right now. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's... Whereas Duke is like, get this nigga away from you. Get. He's just like, what is just like, listen, listen. He can hit us. We are hurt. We're bleeding. <laughs> he told you who he is. Believe him. Oh my God. This movie. Are you talking about day about this movie? Think we done talking about this movie? Listeners, email us about this movie. Creed 3, soundonlypod at gmail.com. Micah, you got anything else? No, man, that's it. Okay. Creed 3 is the most positive we've ever been on anything on this podcast. Please, again, like consult what I said at the beginning about all previous commentary about Michael B. Jordan. I'm speaking for myself. I don't know if Micah retracts anything. Michael B. Nah, Jordan, email us. <laughs> Michael B. Jordan, email us. Soundonlypod, gmail.com. I'm Justin Charity. And I'm Micah Peters. Shouts out to our producer, Stefan Anderson. We'll see y'all next week. Peace.